If it takes longer to generate a character than it does for the DM to kill it, then you might be playing it wrong. Welcome to Playing It Wrong. Podcasts about RPGs, fun, food, more RPGs. Grab your dice, sit back, and get ready to play it wrong. Ah, welcome to another episode of Playing It Wrong, the podcast with a live studio audience of two dogs, one of which is hiding under the desk because you may hear some thunder in the background, but the podcast goes on despite me risking life limb and electroshock therapy if, like, a power line gets hit, but then again, yeah, what are the odds? So, what do we got this week? Well, I'm going to do a little rant. Uh, yeah, I don't have a really general rant this week, so we're probably moving on to the meat of the episode, which is me ranting on... Uh, Urban Adventures with the Blight coming up, a little session summary, reading from the Little Brown Books, and, well, you know, the D&D Boot Camp. So let's start this episode off with... Session Summary. Ah, what was it like last week in gaming? Well, we did Delta Green, not everybody showed up, so it was loss investigation and a little sanity loss. So it yeah, wasn't that much to talk about on that front, but hey, it's a busy prep week because... Next week coming up here, we've got the Labyrinth Lord game. Hey, we all love the old school stuff. And they're going to go fight a dragon. I'm going to see how bad they screw that up. And then they're off to a great expedition. You know, the Lost Caverns of Tasagakanth, or whatever that classic S4 module is. Look it up. Uh, T-S-O-J-C-A-N-T-H. Half those old modules I can't even pronounce the name of, but doing all the prep work on that this week to really throw those guys for a loop and hey guess what hope y'all having a happy labor day weekend because i'm throwing that in there for my american listeners because i'll be working on monday yay i'm a greedy son of a bitch that's why i'm doing it so let's just move on to the meat of this episode which makes me think this episode might be a short one who knows but anyway here we go urban adventures because as i said in the show notes eric tenkar mentioned this over in the Tavern cast, tavern Chat podcast. Then Tim Gothridge Managed Shorts talked about it too. And now it's my turn to chime in. And now I'm saying this. Do not fear the city. Let me do you a little background on my urban adventuring first of all. Because it all still applies to your standard dungeon crawling game. One of my... If you've been a been a uh, astute listener slash reader of the, of the podcast or reader of the blog... You know that one of my longest-running campaigns was a spy game. So we started off with Top Secret. We went to Espionage by Hero Games. Then we went to the James Bond role-playing game. Then we went to Mercenary Spies and Eyes, Mercenaries Spies and Private Eyes for a while. I knew I could get that out. And then we finally did a very long stretch of Danger International by Hero Games, which is sort of like espionage advanced just better rules than the the original espionage so that was one of my longest running campaigns and lots and lots of urban adventures not always in the same city but it was always urban adventures and of course since you know the main influence for all spy genre is pretty much james bond movies so your exotic locations your berlin hong kong london berlin paris venice Rio de Janeiro, all over the world in these cities, many of which that I have personally never visited. Now, the second big loop on this is another long-running campaign that I did. 
back in the day, we played the crap out of Shadowrun. Right there in Seattle, 99% of our adventures were in Seattle as the setting went. We did do a couple adventures when was it the North American book came out. We kind of did an adventure in Dallas once. They drove to, from Seattle to Dallas. Once again, this was 99.9% .9 of the time, urban settings. And then, I'm not done yet, third, there is my new base city, which has gone through, once it got, sort of like the spy game, went through many iterations. It's my uh, urban fantasy type setting, which the uh, first time we ran it, it was with World of Darkness. The second time we ran it, it was with the Dresden Files RPG, with Fate. Then the third time, well, third time has not yet happened, but it is going to be with Dark Streets and Darker Secrets from Old School Publishing. But it's still the same setting, the same city. So, yeah, I got some, I got some urban gaming under my belt. I'm no expert, but I've done a lot of it. And now, coming up for my next campaign is going to be the Blight with running with Swords and Wizardry. So I'm having to prepare for an urban campaign. So I think, you know what? They brought it up, so this is a perfect time for me to start throwing these ideas out there of how I do an urban campaign and what I've learned from running all those various systems through the years and little tips and tricks. And hopefully this may help you along the way. So let's start with the assumption of like, well, what I'm doing now. So I'm working with the Blight. The Blight, uh, the, the main Blight campaign book is damn near 900 pages long. I am not going to memorize all that. I'm not going to attempt to memorize all that. I am going to attempt, if all possible, not even to look at it while I'm gaming. But what am I going to do? Here's one of the key things I learned from, dare I say it, fate. Okay, the city is already broken down into districts and areas. Each district, here's what you need. You need one sentence that describes the place overall. And I like to have at least a interesting person, place, and thing within each district. These can be just bullet points. They don't have to be fully statted out NPCs. They don't have to be fully statted out items or what's in every shop. Most shopping that characters do is, I just want shit from the book. You know, if they want something weird, then it becomes interesting. Why do you not worry about statting NPCs? Because the player characters will choose which ones are interesting to them. You can have this fully statted, fully full backstory, interesting NPC, and they're going to, for some reason, focus on the beggar on the corner. Or, as happened in when I was running World of Darkness with New Bay City, an NPC that survived the first adventure, which wasn't supposed to survive the adventure, end up kind of becoming a player and like a mascot of the party of how did this crazy girl survive. So, let the PCs choose which NPCs they think are interesting and run with it. And only use enough details that you're going to need to run the place. You don't need every building broken down by each shopkeeper or whatever needs to be there. And you know what? If they want a random shop, hey, is there a cheese shop in the area? Roll some dice. Yeah, there's a cheese shop in the area. They may never go back to that cheese shop. Or if it becomes interesting, then write it down. But it's almost like a, th a throwaway thing of, here's a cheese shop. Not everything has to be this involved and intricate encounter. I mean, think about it. The characters bought food. How often in your life is going to a fast food restaurant and ordering a happy meal or whatever the hell you want 
and that it's some sort of adventure. No, it's you get your food, you eat it, you move on. You probably don't even read the person's name tag, let alone, you know, you know, can remember their face from, you know, two days ago who gave you your your Slurpee. So don't sweat every detail. If you do, it's just going to slow down the game. Now, it's going to take lots of improvisation, like, yes, you've probably figured out from my rant here. You're going to have to improvise a lot. You're going to have to take notes. You're going to have to adjust the notes that you made. You may think that some villain is going to become important, and they totally ignore them, or they trash them somehow early on. But another one can arise, or they're more interested in what you think is a minor villain, and they'll chase after that, so you make your minor villain a major villain. All right, so what about running adventures in a city? Well, that's a little different. So we're all probably more used to, here's your adventure module, here's your dungeon, here's where the monsters are, blah, 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 blah. So for an urban setting, um, it's much more of a plot than a dungeon. Sure, there are locations, but there's probably multiple locations. Like a dungeon, is just there are not hallways in between, there are streets in between. And there's lots of distractions along the way. So how do you keep the characters focused? You don't. You let them run around. That, that that that's it. You just you just let them run around. If they screw up and let a big bad guy get bigger and badder, well, that's just another adventure. If they end up making enemies because they do something stupid, well, that's just part of the adventure. Let me tell you about what happened in a Shadowrun game. So I had this whole adventure idea about the son of the local mafia don and the niece of the local. Uh, Yakuza Head were these star-crossed lovers, and they were going to run off, and they were hiring the player characters to smuggle them out of the city. So it was a good adventure for a while, and then halfway in between, one of the player characters sold them both out to their respective families, which brought the entire adventure basically in a whole new direction than what was planned. What turned into a, we're going to sneak people out of the city, turns into, well, one of those contacts ended up, well, sleeping with the fishes, one got sent away, and a whole war between the two big organized crime groups in the city broke out, caused by the player characters, which, of course, they were in the middle of. So the adventure did not play out the way I wanted it to, or the way I expected it to, but it continued on based on what the player characters did. Once again, you see that theme that I've been pushing through this whole thing is improvise and react to what the players are doing. It's very important in the urban adventures and urban settings for players to be proactive. They can't sit there and look at a bulletin board and say, all right, we're going to go kill giant rats. Well, I mean, they can, but that's kind of boring. As soon as they start actually moving around with the city, interacting with the city, interacting with the NPCs, figure out what NPCs are important to them and things start happening and the player characters may cause more interesting things to happen than you could ever consider. Now to sum up I'm going to boil it down to this. Few notes not every NPC has to be important. Let the player characters choose which NPCs are important and run with it. For plot yeah you can have your adventures you can have your plots but the PCs will be distracted and they'll run off in other directions, like I said in Shadowrun. For an example, in when I was running New Base City with uh, Dresden Files, the whole I'll give you the whole overall thing is it's sort of like Buffy, but the characters are college students, not high school students. And one session they were I was ready for them to go off on this adventure. Instead, they go, "We're going to a frat party." 
So improvise and make that frat party interesting. Because there are other NPCs there that may like them and dislike them. And there's going to be conflict. Because conflict doesn't have to be violence. It usually is. But So yes, improvise. The other one is don't get too bogged down in the details. Too many details will slow things down. Too many details will also paint you as a game master into a corner. And, you know, just it's okay to make shit up to make it more interesting based on what the characters do. That's perfectly fine. They won't know the difference. Now, it's not to make, not to screw them over, but just to make it more interesting. The thing is, on the Urban Adventures, you never know where the player characters are exactly going to go running or why they're going to go running that direction. And sometimes I don't think they know why they go running in a direction either. And you're never going to know what NPCs, buildings, or things they're just going to think is neat. And just play into that. Don't get too bogged down in what you think should be there. A shop is a shop, okay? You don't need to detail a shop. You don't need to detail every bartender. You don't need to detail every beggar. You don't need that. It's pointless. Just the ones that are important. And the only ones that are important to the player characters. Let them decide. Now, what about maps? Some people do beautiful maps. And I mentioned this back in my, my, my world. Business. Some people do really beautiful maps. Maps can be pieces of artwork. But at the game table, you don't want artwork. You want a tool. So just an outline and where the districts are, even if it looks like a kindergartner drew it, is perfectly fine. And that's all you freaking need. You don't need every street laid out in the city. You just need to know what's where everything is in relation to everything else. To go from A to B, you have to go through C. That's all you need to know. You know, that A and B are next to each other. That's all you need to know. That A is next to the river, B isn't. You know, the things like that. So, details, in a way, are your enemy. And let the details fill in as you're playing. So, you don't need to remember shit you don't need to know. Okay. So, I've reiterated this, and I've probably said the same things about oh, two or three times, because I don't really write a script. I just sort of talk off the top of my head. So, I think that's my rant on Urban's Adventures. So, what do I think is next? I think it's time for... This is D&D Boot Camp. Here you will learn about the dungeons and the dragons. If you don't, you will die a horrible and embarrassing death. Your friends will loot your body and leave your cold corpse to be eaten by giant rats. Haha, D&D Boot Camp. Here's where I talk about, well, stuff for the new gamers. I was trying to think of what was I going to do. Last, last week I, I had my number one bit of advice. So um, let's start off with this for new gamers. What do you need? Okay, as a brand new gamer, here's my number one thing I think you need. Get your own damn dice. Okay, you don't need the rule book because those can be pretty expensive investments. You don't need all the minis. Once again, you know, some of us have been, you know, gathering these minis for years. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we got lots of them, but it's taken a long time to get them. But dice. Dice are like a gamer trademark. It's your thing. It's your totem. And, you know, the most important thing new gamers also need to learn about dice is there are rules about dice. I don't think there's a gaming table out there that has, has the rule of don't mess with other people's dice. You just don't touch other people's dice. Now, if, if, if you have something different, different experience, please let me know because I have never, ever seen a single gamer just go, okay, so what? Some stranger is fondling my dice. You don't fondle other people's dice. 
get your own and they're cheap amazon hobby store that you may be playing at you know under 10 bucks you can get some dice even though some idiots like me has spent 25 dollars or more on a set of dice but they're very special dice so get your own damn dice okay that sounds mean but you know get your own dice please it's a small investment and hey you know what if you don't like playing give them to somebody else at the table they'll enjoy now a word from our sponsor well actually we don't have any sponsors but hey you can be a sponsor because you can subscribe uh, to the podcast via anchor just be honest as little as 99 cents a month or if you want to go all whole hog you can visit the patreon the they might be gazebo's patreon and contribute there there'll be links in the show notes but hey if you don't want to look at that hey it's patreon.com forward slash they might be gazebos for as little as a dollar a month yes you can make you can support this show and i can continue rambling on i'm thinking about creating another tier like a million dollar tier so the million dollar tier is if you support there then i will stop podcasting and blogging but i don't know if anybody really do that because i don't think that many people hate me or at least that many rich people hate me all right Let's continue on with the show. Tomes of Ancient Forbidden Knowledge. All right, so where was I on the Little Brown Books? Because we were in Greyhawk, and oh yes, we are finally hitting the spell tables. So, um, let's see, we have asterisks for the new spells. So in other words, these are brand new spells that came into D&D with Supplement 1. For magic users at first level, there's shield, magic missile, and ventriloquism. Ventriloquism, don't you just love that? And, well, that's right. Magic missile wasn't an original spell. Then let's see, we've got darkness, five foot radius, strength, web, mirror image, magic mouth, and pyrotechnics. Hmm. Let's see what else. Explosive runes, rope trick, suggestion, monster summoning one. And we have the other monster summonings, and then we get the extension spells. And then what do we get for cleric spells? Let's see. Silence, 15-foot radius. Snake charm. Prayer. Speak with dead. Those are the new spells. Um, of course, the 6th and 7th level spells are all new. And let's see what else. Oh, for magic users, I forgot. The 7th, 8th, and 9th level spells are all new. So we're going to take a long journey through this chapter because we're going to go through each one of these spells. And they are, it looks like, alphabetical by spell roughly actually we're going to start with this because there are changes to existing spells they cleaned up some of this stuff from uh the original little brown books so we've got charm person let's well your intelligence score depends how long it takes for you to make a slave again so if it's below six you can save every month sleep there's no saving throw shield is a new one so what is it? You go to AC2 versus missiles, AC4 against other attacks, and the duration is two turns. Remember, a turn is 10 minutes. So that's 20 minutes. Magic missiles. All right. Original magic missile does 2 to 7. In case you're bad at math, that's 1d6 plus 1. And for every five levels, you get an additional two missiles when employing the spell. Range is 150 feet or five um, or 150 math is hard and here we have we have a typo because i'm going to finish up the first level spells because this man this episode is going long because they did an addition to the to the spell direct magic 
the first level spell direct magic this is in my printing of of, of Greyhawk. i don't know what year it was but uh yeah whatever yes it says dr direct magic range six inches duration two turns there is no direct magic spell uh, and ventriloquism as the name implies the spell allows the user to make the sound of a, his voice issue from someplace else including such places as a statue animal etc range six inches duration two turns you know, it's a neat spell, but I wonder why you just couldn't have a class that just does that, the ventriloquist. Alrighty, so uh, we are rambling on on this episode. Next episode, we are now... What, you want more spells? Okay, let's do the second level spells, alright. Darkness, five foot radius. Well, it's darkness, we expect, but it can be countered by a dispel magic or a light spell. Because in third edition, there was like all these weird shit, especially in Pathfinder. God, strength... Increases a fighter's strength from 2 to 8 points. That's 2d4. We'll also increase the cleric's, clerics from 1 to 6 points. And a thief by 1d4. When a fighter's strength reaches 18 or higher due to the spell, an additional determination of strength is made as already specified for strength 18. Duration is 8 game hours. Or a hell of a lot of turns. Or basically a third of a day. Web. It's already explained. But it's now a spell. Mirror image. One to four image. Images. Um, any attack when an image dispels it. Well, it doesn't affect anyone. So, okay, magic mouth. Yeah, okay, it's a magic mouth. However, the uh, flub at the wizard makes an appearance here, but cannot exceed 25 words. Okay, it's kind of a neat spell, but there's a lot of details that doesn't need to be there. Uh, pyrotechnics. You know, um, that's kind of a neat spell useful but once again it may start a fire is the only thing it may do for a second level spell eh. you know i think later on that could be really a cantrip i make boom boom <laughs> never mind <laughs> all right i'm going to pick up with third level spells on the next episode but hey i want to thank you all for listening it's been a fun episode i've done lots of rants on this one i hope you enjoyed it Please visit blog, the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. It's theymightbegazebos.blog. It's letter B, not B-E. Find us on Facebook, They Might Be Gazebos. Find us on Patreon at They Might Be Gazebos. And, as I always say, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun, folks. It's all about the fun. Thanks for listening.